the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Great to be back with you. Uh, got a lot to cover today. I was up in Pennsylvania, I mentioned to you yesterday. Uh, well, I'll give you a fill you in later on in the program. Last segment on Lara Logan and her presentation. Whew, man, she is impressive. Uh, quite a quite a lady and quite an accomplished uh, lady, uh, co- a career professional, I should say. It. She's quite a lady, very impressive, charisma, all the all the the um, gosh, a great speaker. Uh, but she's also I hadn't realized till I was researching to pr- uh, present to her and and to introduce her to the crowd how many awards she won before she became conservative and therefore hated by the media. She was very very accomplished as a journalist. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we will talk about Herschel Walker and John Schlafly's column. It's a few days into the week. We usually talk earlier in the week. But I've been on the road and he's been busy. We'll also get an update on some of the Senate races. John Schlafly's watching closely. And we will also visit with a young congressional candidate, a guy named John Gibbs. John Gibbs is one of the candidates that was recommended by one of our Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. I got to tell you. What an impressive guy. VoteJohnGibbs.com is his website. He happens to be conservative, Christian, uh, Stanford grad, Harvard grad, impressive as can be, and beat the incumbent who was an anti-Trump Republican who voted for the impeachment of Trump. And just by chance, does it matter? I don't care. But I'll tell you, he's African-American, too, on top of all that. He's quite a candidate. John Gibbs will talk with him. Uh, But first, what you need to know today, what you need to know today, well, I, I, I was planning on talking about Pennsylvania and explaining to you that in my experience in, in going to Pennsylvania, I grew up in New Jersey. I lived in Missouri for 25 years. I'm now down in Virginia, but I go to New, Pennsylvania a lot. We have some great Eagle leaders. I've sort of been there every cycle a bunch of times. And up there right now, a few weeks before the election, unbelievable energy, unbelievable energy in the direction of the Republicans, primarily Oz and Mastriano down the ticket. The attorney general's candidate seems to be pretty good and others are running for Congress and such. But obviously the attention on Dr. Oz being a celebrity and Mastriano being such a sort of firebrand and a, and a uh, character. And I, I got to tell you, the energy is just incredible. So I was going to tell you about that. I was going to say, oh, Pennsylvania is great. I will say Mastriano is dealing with the fact that they, the establishment of both parties, it, it, they like a guy like the, the guy running for as a Democrat for governor, an attorney general. He doesn't sound as moderate, blah, blah, blah. He's a terrible He's a terrible liberal. It's terrible. But Mastriano's in a fight for his life. It's going to be a battle. But I, I feel really the energy's all there. I was going to talk about all that. So talk about Fetterman. I was going to talk about Fetterman yard signs that are black and white and gray. It's like a goth. He's like a goth candidate with his hoodies and his, his six foot eight uh, figure. And having had a stroke, he's kind of lurching around. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But it, yard signs, you know, yard signs, you, you, you pick usually pick red, white and blue ish. Every now and then somebody goes green. First guy I saw do green and white, I think, was Ashcroft uh, maybe in 94 or. I don't know. Anyway, it's um, it's a strange and in 2000, when he was running in 2000, Ashcroft had uh, green and white. But anyway, usually it's bright colors, not black and white and brown. I mean, uh, and gray. Very odd. Fetterman. But what you need to know today, and we'll talk with John uh, Schlafly about this, too. Steve Bannon 
was sentenced to jail today for contempt of Congress, four months in jail. Now, the sentence was immediately suspended, and he is not going to the jail. He's got appeal, um, but that's insane. We're, we're living in a nation where they're charging people who it's not that Bannon just he didn't just resist talking to Congress. He resisted talking to Congress. That's a, a kangaroo court. But he also said, you're asking me stuff about the president. There's executive privilege. I'm not going to do that. And they never litigated that. They just voted contempt of Congress. So pure power, the way it works is pure power was subpoena the guy. Then when he doesn't do what you want, vote pure power, vote on a party line to do to do contempt. Now you got contempt of Congress voted on by the Congress, the House, after you voted it out of committee, a subpoena, and now you send it over to DOJ. And of all the things they rushed to do, it's prosecute Bannon. We had a pipe bomb at the DNC on January 6, 2021. We had a pipe bomb at the RNC on January 6, 2021. And we're worried about Steve Bannon's record in front of Congress. Uh, it, it's crazy. But typical Bannon, what Bannon said as he exited the courthouse, he thanked the judge. He said, I appreciate this you know, process. And then he said, if that was my judgment day in there, the judgment day of this regime, the Biden regime, is November 8th. And the country sees what's happening, and they're going to react. Now, as he said it, I thought, that's exactly how I feel, too. It feels like that is what's set up as your, everything about these priorities are wrong. This president's priorities are off, so far off as to the priorities of the American people. I was at an event in Pennsylvania. I was at a, a, a breakfast in Pennsylvania with a couple of people, and one of them was a you know a big Republican, and I didn't know if he had been uh, swayed by all the coverage. And he said, "You know, how is it we're spending fifty plus billion dollars in Ukraine, and we can't figure out our own stuff here?" And I thought, "Okay, that's a business guy who's probably more moderate on a bunch of issues." In other words, when you see leaders so out of touch, you basically lose faith in them. And they fall. Now, in England, literally, you lose confidence in your prime minister and she resigns. That's what happened in the last couple of days. In Italy, if they can't get confidence, they won't be able to form a coalition government. In America, we have a term. We have more stability. But to the point of Bannon, I see now it's 53, 54 Republicans in the Senate. And they'll be, I don't know, plus 80 to 100 in the House Republicans. And once you have that... The Biden administration is over. That regime is over. The abuse of power, at least, will decline, although I'm not sure it'll go away completely. I think there'll still be a lot too much power has been vested in the executive uh, to stop it completely. So we will see. But um, bad news uh, across the board for everybody in the country to see the courts being treated like this, to the courts doing these kinds of things. It's just delegitimizing. And for all the left wing power that they amass and use. There's a whole bunch of people on the left who don't don't mind the denigration and the diminishment of our institutions. That's what they like. And that's maybe the worst part of it. All right. We got to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with John Gibbs and later. I uh, know I think John Schlafly's next. And then John Gibbs after that. Uh, be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Don't forget ProAmericaReport.com at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter. Be back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here to Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with John Schlafly. I was up in Pennsylvania and John was out in uh, flyover country, as we call it, when you're in Pennsylvania and uh, in Missouri. So we had, did not catch up on his column. We'll touch base on that. It's very, very, uh, again, a typical John and Andy Schlafly. Um, they're r- writing about Herschel Walker, who is succeeding sufficiently that he's now being attacked on the is it the front page of the New York Times? I don't even get the front page anymore, but in the front front uh, web page of the New York Times, and they're going into, into, of all things, they're going into his mental capacity. You got Fetterman brain dead, and you got Biden brain dead, and they're talking about Herschel Walker, for goodness sakes. But we'll get to that in a moment. John's column with Andy Schlafly runs over at townhall.com, townhall.com, and also archived at phyllisschlafly.com. So welcome back, John. How are you? I'm I'm great, Ed. Uh, but, welcome, but, you welcome back. Yeah. yeah, well, it was great. It was a great visit, Pennsylvania. We talked a little bit in the open on that. Uh, the, the, I think I think people are very very fired up. I feel very confident that uh, you're going to see record record turnout. I guess you know they could steal votes in uh, Montgomery County and in Philadelphia again, but I don't think so. I think they're ready for it. So we'll see, John. Before we get back to Herschel Walker, Steve Bannon. Uh, I mentioned it in the open also. Steve Bannon um, sentenced to four months uh, in jail. jail. Um, immediately suspended, though, because he's going to go up on appeal. What are your thoughts, John? I mean, again, you'd have a better. I was in my early I guess I was in my teens when Ollie North was going on when we saw this. I mean, how do you react to this? Well, it's it's a totally political uh, thing, and it's an example of it illustrates the fact that no Trump supporter can get a fair trial in a D.C. court. This. Uh, on the other hand, the two people that uh, John Durham prosecuted both got acquitted. So that's the jury pool that we're dealing with. And uh, so Bannon, and, and you know, the idea that the Justice Department would take Bannon to trial for contempt of the Nancy Pelosi Congress be, over the January 6th committee. I mean, that's what it's about. And now... Uh, a Trump appointed judge gave him four months in federal prison. I mean, it's just an outrage. It's just totally political. Fortunately, the judge did suspend it for appeal. And now the new Republican Congress can, you know, vacate the contempt finding. But honestly, I don't know if that will be enough to get the sentence erased. We'll have to see on that. And Ed, Peter Navarro is right behind, you know, Peter Navarro is going to trial uh, just in about two, two or three weeks on the same issue, a charge of contempt of Congress over uh, their dissatisfaction with his appearance before the January 6th committee. It's just an outrage. And then and then, Ed, you know, you wound me up here because then we've got <laughs> the matter of John Eastman. I mean, he's being horrendously mistreated in a different court. Mm -hmm. Uh, They seized his phone, uh, surprised him as he was coming out of a restaurant, seized his phone, and then they won't give it back. And then the government had the nerve to say, well, you've admitted you went and got another phone. You bought another phone, so you don't need it back. And so they're arguing over the contents of the phone um, over the versus the phone itself. But John, yeah. it's all John. One of the things, one of the tricks on this is, and actually, uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly, uh, your mother, and uh, for whom I worked, I was listening to her speak in, in 1986. It was at the Eagle Council. The, I was driving a lot of hours in the last couple of days up to Pennsylvania and back, and I I was listening to her on lobbying. 
on the on the First Amendment right to petition your government. And she's she's writing about that and she's talking about um, how how you have a, a right to do it. And then you how how you have to decide what to talk about. In other words, don't you can talk about the truth. But if you talk about things about the truth that are that are silly or out of the, the sort of uh, uh, the place you want to be talking, you, you won't win. The, you might feel good. You won't win the argument. And I bring all that up to say, and you, you know better than I do. I'm not describing it well. Uh, Phyllis Schlafly's success in writing and otherwise that she would she would choose what argument to engage gave her the strongest standing. In fact, one of the examples she said was don't don't rush out to say the ERA is a, a communist plot or goes against the Bible. She said it's a, that, that and may, both of those may be true, but those narrow your arguments amongst a whole bunch of people. But, John, and my point, very long winded point is that the left is winning by making this argument about why didn't you talk to Congress? The truth is. The facts are that we're talking about whether people, including Eastman, for example, had a good faith uh, reason to believe that the Constitution should be abided by, meaning you should go and check the electors. You should go and check the vote in the Congress. The Constitution actually says they didn't make that up. It wasn't extra constitutional. It was, hey, let's see if the Constitution, I know you and I were together on January 6th in Washington, D.C. We both were of the mind that if they vote to certify it, then you may not like the result, but you may not. We, you may talk about it for the rest of time and wonder if it was fair and honest and all. But that's how our Constitution, the system works, just like George W. Bush. The system works. And yet they're being prosecuted for having a belief about something. Good faith. And nobody's saying there's no indication that John Eastman thought, I'm just going to make this up and it's going to be fun to drive the country crazy. He was making a good faith argument that some things look really weird and therefore we ought to do everything we can. And they're being prosecuted for, for an argument. Yes, it's an outrage. And the le- our legal system is supposed to be an adversary system in which the two sides can each have opposing views, and then it comes out in the process. Now, what the what that horrible Clinton-appointed judge in California, David Carter, ruled was basically, you can't do that. Trump can't do that. John Eastman can't do it because, and they and they faulting Trump for disagreeing with his own attorneys, as if that as if that was a horrible thing that proved his felonious intent. It's just an outrage. I couldn't believe what I read. And it just is an example of of the misuse, abuse of the uh, federal judicial and legal system and the Justice Department under Joe Biden and Merrick Garland. And it just, uh, uh, well, anyway, Uh, I've gotten wound up. Well, and John, now let's slide over to uh, the Senate races because a lot of people are getting focused there. Your column this week digs into the Herschel Walker. I didn't see this, um, the debate. I did not know um, the uh, uh, what happened. Uh, but but I do like this interaction where as a candidate, you're able to, in this case, Herschel Walker pulled out uh, a, a badge. I guess he was at one point a deputy sheriff or something, and and he showed it. And then the moderator was, oh, no, 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 no. We're not, we're not supposed to have props or something like that. Of course, he had been attacked. Uh, earlier for what he'd done. And, and, he, and he said, then this is not a prop. This is real, which is a classic moment that should go down history. But John, I told you the New York times front page of its website is talking about the mental acuity of Herschel Walker. I mean, it's, it's shameless in, in because of the president and, and Fetterman up in Pennsylvania, but what, what's the deal with Walker? I mean, why, what, what's going on here? Well, I'd say Herschel, you, 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 you highlighted one of his exchanges, but there were others in which he was right on to, on the ball and made a 
witty, effective rejoinder to either his opponent or to the moderator. And it was one of those instances where, you know, the moderator is openly siding with the Democratic candidate. And Herschel is, in effect, debating both uh, Raphael Warnock and the moderator because, you know, they were double teaming him. And uh, Herschel did a fantastic job, I thought. And, uh, you know, there's something very genuine about Herschel. He doesn't, didn't need to have, you know, a... You know, you talk about a prop. The guy in Pennsylvania, Fetterman, needs a whole computer yeah, to interpret yeah, yeah. what is being said to him, and in, in order to generate answers. Now, that's a prop. Yeah, Marshall didn't need that. Well, and here's the thing: it's crazy. It's amazing where to this point we have to actually say out loud after COVID. After not after uh, the last 15 years of wars, the forever wars, where we where we drilled into our heads accurately and importantly that you know people's mental stability after PTSD and after war and everything is something to worry about. Herschel Walker has been upfront that when he was younger, he had some issues. He, he got treated, got some counseling and he's fine. No, but, and yet he's being attacked for it. While again, take Fetterman, as you point out that literally can't, hasn't co- recovered from his stroke. I'm not judging him. I'm not judging him. I, I'm saying he hasn't recovered from his stroke so he can take questions. And, and we're, and if you bring it up, you're attacked for being mean to him. And here we are with Walker. I have to say, of course, it's, it's no surprise. It's a double standard, but it also must mean, I think you can help me on this. Herschel Walker must be winning. I mean, they don't attack you if you're not in the game. Well, I think that's right. Or at a very, at the very minimum, uh, he'll get into the runoff and then there's a runoff in Georgia. Oh my and gosh. Then, and I'm not sure. You, I'm not sure I can stand that. that that's a little bit, but, uh, but, but John, I, I say, <laughs> you know, we got our other good, some of our other good Senate candidates and we'll say both JD Vance in Ohio and Blake masters in Arizona, you know, both very, very brilliant, you know, finance guys, you know, very highly educated. And yet I'd say Herschel Walker, I'd say, he was more genuine uh, than both of those guys. Yeah. I support them all. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, Herschel is captivating. He's winning. You yeah. know, he's a winner. And that comes through loud and clear. Well, and, and for, as a matter of, I agree with you on that. There's something genuine. It's almost like he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have to fake it. And, and, and I, what I mean by that is he was about 20 when he succeeded so dramatically in his life. And despite some of the challenges since then, I don't think, you know, it's never been in doubt. He's just a, he's a guy that succeeds over and over again, whatever he does. Um, and you sort of feel that he's, he's well adjusted. Um, I will say this, John, my cousin, a bunch of my cousins live down there in uh, Georgia and they're liberal. Um, uh, well, some of them liberal, some of them aren't, but some of them are, are sane. but the liberal ones say they're voting for Herschel Walker anyway. And I said, why to one of them? They said, cause he's Herschel Walker. What are you kidding me? And, 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 and Georgia, I mean, like, this is like, this is another example up in, um, up in Pennsylvania. They're all saying Oz is closing. Now they say he's closing. Oz is winning is what they mean. And they say Oz has these ads on TV. He's around the whole around the state. He's winning. He's again, he's a professional communicator. You know, you and I both talked. You're I guess it's your second cousin, Ned Pfeiffer, one of our Eagles. His daughter was in med school with Oz. Dr. Oz graduated and one is his one is number one in his class. Yeah. He's, he's one of these genius kind of guys. So um, and, they, they're winning. As, as, as we speak of these, can let's not overlook. Carrie Lake in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Now she's a communicator, oh. and 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 she is she's closing too. And oh, yeah, fact, winning, winning. yeah. Well, I John, I, 
I always bring back my point uh, that in, in 2016, the day before the election, I did an interview and the, the report uh, the uh, the interviewer said, oh, you know, Mr. Martin, you were chairman of the Missouri Republican Party. Polls show that Hillary is within three in Missouri. It, uh, Trump is really losing. I said, and what do you think? And I said, I, I just know Missouri. I think he's going to win by a lot more. He won by 19. Right. I mean, they're not that these polls haven't been right in the Trump era. They haven't been right at all. I mean, in 18, I guess you could say they were right, but that was the that was what happens in an off-year election. I, and even then it was, but it wasn't right in 2020 and it wasn't it wasn't right in 16. Um so I think we're uh, we're facing again, I've said it a red tsunami. Um what else, John? Are you uh, what do you think uh the news out today earlier today Laxalt's up in Nevada. Uh, you got a prediction on uh, on the the size of the wave? Do you want to venture a guess now 2 weeks out? Well, no, I'll leave that to you. Yeah. But we certainly hope a rising tide lifts all boats. And we've got, uh, you know, a couple of our weaker candidates. We'll hope they'll make it across the finish line, too. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. All right, John Schlafly, everybody. I'll put his column up on social media. Uh, it's available on Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening on townhall.com and then archived over at phyllisschlafly.com. Uh, thank you, John. We'll talk again very soon. John Schlafly, everybody. Uh, we will be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Been looking forward to this guest for a while. Arlene Helms up in Michigan is a great friend of mine. She's a great eagle, great conservative, and uh, a great correspondent with me on texting and email. She's been telling me for months, John, uh, This we're going to talk with John Gibbs, who is running for the United States Congress. Months, John, she's been telling me how valuable you are, how good you are, how special you are. And so I am really grateful uh, to visit with you now. VoteJohnGibbs.com is the website running for Congress in just a few short weeks so we're grateful to uh, talk with him if you get a chance everybody uh, share this i'm at eagle ed martin on twitter ed martin live on facebook share this with your friends especially up in michigan but i know john uh john is happy to accept contributions from anybody any part of the country as long as they're american citizens and not corporations under the rules of the fec uh but otherwise welcome john gibbs how are you sir ed i'm great thanks for having me on really appreciate it we're shaking and breaking here yeah, okay. And, and I know you worked a couple things. You worked for a couple good guys. I know you were in President Trump's administration, which I applaud, but also you worked for uh, Ben Carson, which is he's one of the more extraordinary people we've known. Uh, you yourself have been active as a businessman and also uh, worked in, in Christian missions overseas. Tell me about why, and I should say you're a Republican, a conservative, a Christian, and African-American. Why is, you know, why would you run? I mean, you probably get a lot of grief, a lot of personal grief in the world we're in. Is it is it worth it? I'll tell you, yes, it's worth it. You know, when it came to why did I run uh, after the Trump administration, after I got done serving under Dr. Ben Carson, I said, maybe I'll take a break. Maybe I'll go work for a think tank. Maybe I'll go back to technology and work in, you know, IT somehow. But, uh, you know, we had a, uh, the representative here, Peter Meyer, voted to impeach Trump as his very first vote in Congress. Um, and I said, uh, there's a huge betrayal there. Uh, most of the voters have been really let down. So I think there's an opportunity here. I think there's leadership gap. So I prayed about it for quite a bit. I got advice from people who are wiser and more experienced than me. And I said, is there an opportunity here? And we kind of said, yeah, I think that there's something here. So decided to uh, go in and I said, if God is for you, who can be against you? And if God <laughs> calls you to something, he will provide what you need to do it. So uh, that's kind of how we got here. 
Well, and I should say, I, I, I buried the lead if I would say computer science degree from Stanford and, uh, you know, also did some work at Harvard. I don't blame that on you, but Stanford computer science, that that means, you you, you know, you're, you're almost uh, you're almost it's almost impossible to be unemployed, I would say. So, you you know, you you could and coming out of the work of Ben Carson, as you said, you can make a lot more money. What's the number one issue facing? What, give me the top two facing your voters in your district. You know, a lot of the stupid pollsters try to tell us and, and they'll tell us a Republican pollster will tell you it's uh, tax cuts or taxes. I don't know. I don't believe that. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't believe any of them. I don't believe any pollsters. You know, you're talking to a lot of voters. So John Gibbs, and again, let me say, uh, John, votejohngibbs.com is the website. What's the number one or, and two issues for your voters? The number one issue is people feel like they're losing the country we grew up in. And that's why I tell them this November is not so much about Democrat versus Republican. It's crazy versus normal. <laughs> uh, we are getting many independents and even all the Democrats to the right of Karl Marx, as I call them. Um, they're coming back to common sense. Uh, they believe there's two genders, not 57. They believe as an American, you should be able to buy whatever kind of car you want, not be forced to buy an electric car. Um, they believe that uh, you shouldn't let criminals back out in the streets and that we should have order at our border and that we shouldn't be relying on foreign countries for our energy supplies, but we should have energy independence. These are basic common sense things that we're losing. So that's number one thing I hear is people just want to stop this craziness to go back to normal. To get more specific, gas prices and uh, cost of living. Uh, those are both going up like crazy. People want an end to that madness. And then education. People are appalled at what they're doing to the kids in the schools. We've seen so many wonderful, great, amazing mama bears stand up and fight. We have so many great mama bears who are running for office for the first time. School board, county commission, whoever it might be. It is exactly a wonderful thing to see. I love it. So I'm hearing a lot about education, too. Uh, we're talking with John Gibbs. He's a, a candidate for office in uh, for in Congress up in Michigan. And if you're listening to this, go to my Twitter feed at Eagle Ed Martin. And now uh, you can see I'll retweet this individual uh, interview with him so you can check it out and pass it on. Um, John Gibbs, again, vote John Gibbs dot com. Um, John, um, you know, you were on the 1776 commission with Donald Trump. So here you are, an African-American Stanford slash Harvard educated guy, businessman, Christian, 1776 committee. All around us swirling is the CRT stuff. Um, and you're you're, I think, the grandson, maybe the great grandson of uh, uh, sharecroppers from the from the deep south. And in your bio is reading this. H- how do you. You know, you you have a special position because you can talk about the African-American, the black experience as a black man and say, hey, hold on a second. You know, there's a, I, I haven't had a perfect life. You haven't had a perfect life. America has never been perfect. Nobody said it was. And yet the founding was distinctly special in a direction that human history had never seen. And, and I think it's more powerful to hear you. How, how do you explain it to people when they say, oh, let's go 1619. Let's go. Let's talk about a grieving, uh, you know, a, a a, a, a grievance society. Well, you know, there's not enough adjectives to describe how horrible, terrible, destructive, divisive the CRT ideology is. Um, it does the opposite of what Martin Luther King said. It seeks to judge people based on the color of your skin, not the content of your character. If you're white, they want to automatically say that you're guilty of oppression. They don't know anything about your character, your personality, how you love others, how you treat others. No, they don't know anything about that. They're just automatically assigning guilt based on race. And if you're black, you're automatically a victim. They don't know anything about how hard you work, um, how what kind of grades you got in school. 
school, you know, anything like that. It just automatically assigns victim status. So it's insanity. It's truly insane. And that's not how I was raised. My parents had accountability. Can you imagine what would have happened if I told my dad? Well, you see, I got in trouble because of uh, systematic racism. My dad said, I'm a systematic. Take off this belt. Systematically work you behind, you know? Yeah. So it's just yeah. crazy what's happening today. Well, you know, I was trying. This is an imperfect. And so somebody that picks this clip up, one of the media matters or somebody will make it sound worse. But my son didn't make my youngest son did not make the soccer team. He did not. He got cut and he was mad about it. And he started picking on the other guys on the team. He, you know, he said that guy shouldn't have made it. I should this. And I said, hold on a second. What are you talking about? I said, there's a system in place. You want to make the system work for you. Then next year, you're going to be able to try out. What are you doing to get there? And, and, and you know, what he did. He instead of complaining, he said, well, you know, cross countries, no cut. I'm going to go do cross country. So I have to run three or four or five miles a day and get myself in better shape. And, and I said to him, that's what I said. That's what you can do to change your approach to the system that's out there. One of the things and we're talking with John Gibbs, our guest, and is, uh, is uh, and, and John, don't let me finish without explaining where this race is in terms of the what it looks like and, and what they're saying on your opponent. Uh, but, True. you know, but when you look at the when you look at the um, school system, it's a system that's broken, especially I'm from St. Louis, especially for black kids in the cities, right? It's broken. It's broken. The system's broken. And one of the problems CRT is, is to say, yeah, well, the system stinks. You can't beat that system. It's so bad. So don't even try. Just just take victim status instead of a strategy for the system. I'm, again, I can't, I shouldn't even say it, but if I was a black grandma, my wife often talks about one of her friends, a grandma, a black grandma had the grandkids because the mess of, a, you know, things got messy. And she, what she did was saved every nickel and moved the heck out of the city system because she couldn't beat that system she went to a place where she get she didn't have as much money didn't have as big a house didn't have as much stuff but she had to get out of the system that that seems to me teaching our kids don't if you can't if the system's broken okay but get yourself to a place or to strategies where you can succeed yeah, I think that's exactly right. And unfortunately, you have many entrenched forces who want to keep the school systems the way they are now, and they don't want to allow competition, especially in the um, poor areas, and they just have a death grip on the system there. That's why school choice is an issue that tends to do really well with a lot of minorities because just exactly as you said, Ed, they don't want their kids to go to bad schools or be in a bad neighborhood. Many of those parents do want their kids to have better education. But right now, the way things work, it's difficult to do that. So I'm glad that we're seeing momentum on charter schools and we're seeing momentum on proposals that will let parents more easily have that choice to send their kids to a school that actually works. So, yeah, I think this is a huge message we got to keep getting out. Uh, John Gibbs is our guest. Again, uh, please go to votejohngibbs.com. Check out his stuff. I have to say um, uh, more uh, more engineers and computer science uh, uh, graduates would be better in, in Congress because they actually know how to look at things and solve problems. So, John, tell me about the race. Tell me about your opponent. Tell me about the fact that uh, there was an incumbent who did not succeed in in running again. So, therefore, you probably you've got a bunch of this uh, uphill. You know, the establishment says, oh, well, you know, we, we invested in that guy. We're not we, you know, for years we've investing in that incumbent we knew we could buy his real estate now we got to go uh we're not going to bother what well, tell me where you are in this race and what what it looks like Sure. Yeah, we had a uh, tough primary against one of the 10 Republicans. I voted to impeach Trump, Peter Meyer. Um, and, uh, you know, we were outspent uh, with external money, 100 to 1, probably 10 wow. to 1 hard cash. Wow. I mean, wow. it was just David and Goliath. I knew we were going to win always. My staff did. But that happened on August 2nd. It was a great victory. 
Uh, Peter and myself hit it off well. I said, look, you ran a good race. Wishing the best in the future. Now we got to all come together. And so I need everybody who supported Peter to come with me. And almost everybody is on board. That's good. And we're working on it every day. Uh, my opponent ran against Peter last time. Her name is Hillary also. So not another Hillary. is <laughs> one of our little slogans. Uh, <laughs> She raised a lot of money this quarter, as many of the Democrats around the country are doing. I mean, they just have all the Wall Street globalist money in the world to come in after him to support him. Whereas yep. us Republicans, we're scrapping hard. We're getting money from regular folks. But guess what? We're still winning. Despite the money difference, we're still winning. Uh, all the issues they're trying to run on are issues people don't care about. They have lost on, on inflation. They've lost on energy independence. They've lost on Ukraine. They've lost on Afghanistan. You can blindfold yourself, spin around, throw a dart. Any issue you land on, they're losing on with the corrupt leadership they have and under Nancy Pelosi, under my opponent, who would be a total clone of Nancy Pelosi. We're about to neck and neck in the polls. I believe that we're actually better than that because of uh, the way that people break towards November 8th. Yeah. Actual kitchen table issues of, uh, of how much money is in your wallet and your bank account. So it looks great for us. Good. Well, John Gibbs, uh, votejohngibbs.com is the website. Thanks for taking time off the trail. I know how busy it is and how uh, tough it was to get some of your time. I really appreciate it. We'll spread this word around, and I hope uh, and pray both uh, for your success at the polls and also for your safety as you go forward. This is a strange time. So uh, God bless you, and uh, we'll talk again after you're uh, a congressman-elect. We'll have you back on and see if you can straighten out maybe some of the leadership down there. But (laughs) good luck with everything. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right. God bless. John Gibbs, everybody. VoteJohnGibbs.com. I'll put it up on social media. Really good. Really important race. It's one of the ones to watch. And uh, as he mentioned, um, the guy that was he was running against was one of the people that voted for impeachment. Uh, and he was nicer than I am. I say good riddance to these guys and uh, these people that uh, decided they were going to be smarter than the rest of the country and, and do those kinds of things. So we'll take a break, everybody. Don't forget, please uh, visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the email there, the daily email and my Twitter feed at Eagle Ed Martin. We will get all this posted up there and We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. The United Nations officially began on October 24, 1945, and the globalists would like us to celebrate that anniversary. I think we should celebrate it by teaching the younger generation all the things that are wrong and dangerous about the U.N. The U.N. was supposed to be an agency that kept world peace, but since the U.N. was started, the world has fought nearly 150 wars, causing over 100 million casualties, 25 in Asia, 13 in Eastern Europe, 23 in the Middle East, 25 in Latin America, and 50 in Africa. The U.N. spends $20 billion annually and has never been independently audited. The chief danger from the United Nations today is that it keeps trying to impose treaties on the United States, every one of which is an invasion of our sovereignty. For example, the U.N. Treaty on Women tries to regulate our laws, customs, personal relationships, family education, textbooks, and wages. All this and more would be under the supervision of a committee of 23 so-called experts to monitor our compliance. This U.N. treaty would require us to follow U.N. dictates about all forms of education, revision of textbooks, and teaching methods. The U.N. treaty on the law of the sea is really global socialism and world government. 
It would invade our sovereignty by locking us into a global organization dominated by third world dictators who hate and envy America. And the U.S. would have only one vote out of 180 votes, the same vote as Castro. Ronald Reagan understood how un-American and foolish is the Law of the Sea Treaty. One of his first acts as president was to refuse to sign it. I suggest we all stand with Ronald Reagan and urge our senators to vote no any time the Law of the Sea Treaty comes up in the U.S. Senate. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. If you're busy taking notes, you can stop now because these commentaries in written form and spoken audio are archived on the website phyllisschlafly.com, many recorded by Mrs. Schlafly herself. If you're doing research or missed a day, just go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and re-listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I mentioned earlier in uh, the open, the wink, uh, that I was in uh, Pennsylvania in part for a big event in Pittsburgh. Get out the vote, grassroots uh, gathering. There was Pennsylvania audit the vote folks there. There were representatives of Dr. Oz and uh, Senator Mastriano. Very good turnout. Very exciting. One highlight was that Lara Logan, the journalist was the guest speaker, one of a couple of guest speakers, actually. She received an award uh, and she was extraordinary. Now, I'd never met her in person. And so I, I guess I didn't realize this, the breadth, uh, the length of her career. She was a superstar reporter by the time she was about 30. She's about 50 now, just maybe a year or two younger than 50, maybe right at 50, 50, I guess 50 or 51, actually, now that I say it. And she was in her early 30s. Uh, the Iraq war broke out and she was embedded over there and was a reporter and she was a superstar. She was on 60 Minutes and she talked about this during her speech. She was on 60 Minutes, um, Mike Wallace, uh, Dan Rather, all these people, Ed Bradley. She talked about all of them. She was a famous, famous superstar at uh, CBS, uh, 60 Minutes. And she went to uh, Iraq and then Afghanistan and, of course, famously was in uh, uh, Egypt, I guess, um, and was uh, assaulted at one point. Um, terrible story, but she has become more and more conservative. And she described how as she became conservative and identified some of what she saw, uh, what she has seen and what she sees now, the problems of the globalists, the problems of the uh, of the power in Washington and uh, the deep state, even she got less and less popular. And she was describing when she was at 60 Minutes as a young correspondent, she said every single uh, college campus would open themselves up to her. They wanted her to come and speak and they wanted her to be there, uh, host uh, roundtables and workshops and all the rest. She said, now that she's a known conservative, she said, none of that happens. But she was extraordinary. And so she, now she's 50. She's still very beautiful. I mean, she was a young woman. She's strikingly almost like a model, uh, but kind of an interesting way. Um, she's South African. Um, she's kind of, um, I don't know what to say, a little bit uh, athletic, maybe she looks. Anyway, she's a strikingly attractive woman. I mean, has a lot of charisma, uh, but she's also a very powerful speaker at this point. I mean, she in her life and career, uh, she backs everything up and she, she took questions from the crowd. One person asked her, OK, I hear all this trouble. 
all the stuff that's wrong. Remember, she's been in the last six months, she's been down on the border. She says that's a disaster. She's been looking at election systems. She says they're totally insecure. And so she's given going through all these things. And someone says, well, what do we do? You know, what do we do? And one, she said, I'm a journalist. She said, I'm not a policy person, so I don't have good answers as as in-depth answers as I as as someone who knows policy or something. She said, what I know is journalism and what I know is people. And what she said, her encouragement was, is you have to speak up. You have to speak up. She said, basically, she's watching and seeing the silencing of voices. And she said, the only way to change that, the only way to challenge that is to speak up. And she said, it's going to cost you. It's going to be a problem for some of your family. It's going to be a problem for some of your neighbors because they want, they're, they're going to not want to hear it and they're going to want to disagree and they've been conditioned by the culture. And she said, but you have to do it. And she said, you have to do it now more than ever. It was a very inspiring talk. It was a very, um, how to say, uh, it wasn't that it was negative, but the, the facts of life, according to her, uh, it was you know daunting. But then she finished by saying it's time to speak up. And she said, and, and you know, we're, we're seeing her on Thursday night. She had been getting a round of press and attacks for about 12 hours from her appearance on Newsmax. And uh, she said she, she spoke, uh, uh, referred to that and uh, basically said they love to attack one aspect of what you say. She said, you'll say something like, you know, I got a, in this case, it was, I got a tip from somebody who said this. And she said, they just attack you as if you said it, as if you're the one vouching anyway. And, oh, and she also said when she referred to the border as uh, some of what's going on is satanic, she said, I can't stand that. And she, anyway, she was very confident, very impressive, uh, very interesting woman, one to watch, one to watch. And so it was exciting to uh, be in her presence and get to talk to her a little bit. And she was a big fan of uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly, my old boss. So, all right, we got to run, everybody. Listen, have a great weekend. Thank you to Noah Dingley. Thank you to Joanna Spilger, our producer and our associate producer. We'll be back next week. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>